Matthew chapter 24. One verse of scripture, and I'll let you be seated tonight. Matthew 24 and 44. The Lord made a statement here through some teaching. He said, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. I want to teach on this for a little bit tonight. A lifestyle of readiness. A lifestyle of readiness. Let's pray for the lesson tonight. Lord, we just love you and thank you. So wonderful to be in your presence again. God, we just ask you to help us to hear what the Spirit would say tonight. Let us learn from your Word. Let it find good ground in our heart. That it would change us and make us better. And we ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated tonight. You can be seated. Thank you tonight. A lifestyle of readiness. So Jesus said, therefore be you also ready. And I thought, uh, I actually... Um, I want to read from now from Matthew 25, and you can just listen as I read and follow along. Uh, a parable that Jesus began, one of two that he started in Matthew 25. said, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom, come, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, Say, Not so lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. And I had in my mind this passage of Scripture about the ten virgins has been on my mind. And so I had it kind of in my mind that I was going to just be teaching as I had taught many times before. But as I studied today, the Lord brought something else out of this to me because it's easy to break this passage down and, and talk simply about your lack of oil or you know, or point out differences here and there. But what the Lord began to show me was back from Matthew 24 is that he said, be ready. Now, when we talk about that in the church, all the time you say, are you ready to meet the Lord? It's easy to apply what we feel like being ready in this life for anything means. You know, uh, so when I read these passages, I don't want to just ask myself, am I ready because if I say, hey, are you ready? And you say, yes, that indicates to me that you have nothing else to do. It's just like if you know you have to be somewhere at 5 o'clock, so you're at home, you start getting ready at noon. Well, by 2 o'clock, you're, you're, you're showered, you're dressed, everything's, you know, but you know, well, if I leave now, I'll be early. So I'm ready, but now I'm just going to sit here because there's nothing left for me to do. I'm ready to go. I'm just going to sit here and look on my phone for the next hour and a half until I can leave and be there at the time appointed. And that's what ready is here. We, we say, you know, are you ready? And if you say yes, that means you don't have to do nothing else. So there ain't nothing like uh, hollering at your kids when they're little and you say, come on, are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. And you go in there, they don't have shoes on. You know, they're Shirts on backwards, they ain't brushed your teeth, their hair sticking up everywhere. You're not ready, you know, and so you know, you've got to be done. When you get up in the morning, 
And whenever you're ready to go to work, you don't step right out of the bed and say, okay, I'm ready for work. No, you're not. Go brush your teeth. Go wash your face. Put some clothes on. Fix your hair. You know, do your routine, and now you're ready. And so that's different, though, with us being ready for the Lord. It's not the same because we're not getting ready for work or school or anything else that's temporary. We're getting ready for eternity. And so being ready, when we say, are you ready to meet the Lord? You know, at that particular point, you may, well, I feel like I am, but I'm probably not going today. Okay. Well, you've got a lifestyle of readiness you need to be living. You'll see what I'm saying here in just a minute. Because there's no doubt that the point in time will come for each of us where we will finally say, I am ready. It's, it's going to happen. But there are doctrines in this world today that really assimilate to the world's idea of ready because they teach you that you can pray one sinner's prayer or just simply say you believe and then do nothing else because now you're ready. I know people who never... They don't go to church, they don't read their Bibles, they don't pray, but they got saved when they were eight. And now they're ready. But that's not the way the Lord, you know, even, even with what we know about biblical new birth from John 3, being born of water and spirit, Acts 2.38, to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, even knowing that we understand there is a life to live once we are born again. God did not save us to simply, he, he didn't give us new birth for us to simply go to heaven with. Because he knew we would occupy on this planet until he came back. So he wants us to be busy about his business, working and doing things for him, and having a lifestyle of readiness. Paul said this to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 7. Now he said, for I am now at this point in my life, I am ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He said, now. This was years past his conversion. Years later, from the time that the Lord struck him down on the road to Damascus, and he was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. This was years later before he could ever say, I'm ready to be offered. I'm ready to depart. And then he says, I have, this is past tense, fault a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That's not a lifestyle of sitting around waiting on the Lord to come back. That's a lifestyle of someone uh, who is constantly uh, in a state of readiness that if God comes to get me at any point, I will be found doing what he called me to do. Paul lived a life of readiness. He did not stop again after that encounter on the road to Damascus. But he said this in 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, that by the grace of God, because a lot of people say, well, it's grace and nothing else. Well, I know it's the grace of God that saves us, and it is the grace of God that makes us what we are. He said, his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored. I went to work for God after he saved me. I went to live in a life that showed I believed in the change he made in me. I labored more abundantly than they all. He said, but not I, but the grace of God which was with me because it wouldn't have made a difference to do those things uh, without the Lord. But he said, I didn't just sit back and say, okay, I'll just hang out until you come get me. He knew that now I had something to do for the Lord. And so being ready to meet the Lord is not a one-time thing. It's not, uh, it's not just, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm ready, and that's it. Belief alone is not about readiness. It, it's not. We can't just say, I believe, and well, now I'm ready, because there's a lot of people that believe, and they're not ready. There has to be an obedience, and then there has to be a life. That, why, why put your hand to the plow and not looking back? Because if you do that, you're not fit for the kingdom. He said, you're going to be working for me. You're going to be laboring for me, why did he, Jesus say, pray that he'll send laborers into the harvest? He wants people to know that uh, there's some work to be done before he comes back. And so when we go back to Matthew 24 and, and looking for, at verse 44, the Lord said, therefore be you also ready. Again, 
not a one-time event. It, you don't, it's not like, okay, I, the Lord just gave me a shot of salvation, and it lasts until he comes back. You've got to be living a life of readiness. Because he said, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Then he says, blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find him so doing. He said, if you're going to be ready for me, then I better find you doing faithfully what I called you to do. Not sitting on your hands, not taking a nap, not giving up, not laying back. Not, he said, I need to find you doing what I called you to do. If you went back up, you would read as what Jesus mentioned, how it would be when he would return. He, he mentioned uh, it would be like it was in the days of Noah. The reason that the ark was ready when the Lord was ready to bring the flood is because Noah lived a life of readiness or the ark would have never been completed. And then he said there are two in the field. One's taken, one's left. Two working in the mill. One's taken and one's left. What's the difference? The thing is, is that we all fall under this umbrella of one God. I don't care what country you are, what culture you are. There's one God. Whether you believe in him or not, there's still one God. There's just one. And that's all, the, that's all there is. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is it. There's no, no Allah, no Buddha, no any of that, no Muhammad. That, that's, uh, they may have existed, but they're not gods. There's one God. One creator, the Bible says, is one God and Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. There's one creator. He said in Ezekiel, behold, all souls are mine. Romans eleven thirty two said he concluded all in unbelief so he could have mercy on all. Time and chance happens to all, and we know that God is not a respecter of persons. Every one, these two women that were working at the mill, one's taken, one's left, both have the same opportunity. They're working for the same master. They're working in the same place of employment. Two men in a field working for the same master. Both have the same opportunities. One's taken, one's not. What's the difference? Because, listen, uh, we've got to live in a state of readiness. What it means is there was one ready and one wasn't. And even living, being born again and, and living in a state of, of readiness a lifestyle of readiness, that does not give us a special insight to his return. Even people who are ready will be surprised at his coming because he said, in such an hour as you think not. That statement was to everybody. Now, yeah, we see signs and we begin to you know, think, man, the, the end's got to be getting close because look at the way the condition of the world. But you don't know, nobody knows. Even Jesus said, I don't even know the day or the hour. And so the servant's no, not greater than his master. None of us born again for the Holy Ghost, we don't know the day of the hour is returning, and we will be caught because he's coming like a thief in the night. And so it's going to surprise us, but we're going to be ready because there's two types of people living in this world. It's the ones who they look for the signs and the warnings, and then they start trying to get ready. And then there's the people who just live a lifestyle of readiness. That they take very seriously their call to the kingdom. Their call that, that Christ put on their life, this, this life of living for God, taking up that cross daily, it's very serious to them. And so it's a routine. It's a lifestyle of readiness. They're constantly just living for God. And he's going to come back and say, here's a faithful servant because I found him so doing. He wasn't hiding around the corner. Come on, you ever done that? Had a job somewhere and you're like, ain't nobody looking. I'm going to step around here for about 10 minutes. And just, <laughs> but you're on the clock. And you just took 10 minutes of time. Oh, you know you've done it. Yeah. Oh, we, we would do it all the time. If our boss left in the truck and went somewhere, is he gone? He's gone. Let's sit down. We were on the clock. But we were tired. And so we thought, hey, we deserve a rest. But if he had us snuck back up and caught us sitting around, whoo. And the thing is, is God's going to come back and catch some people just sitting around. And they're not living that you've got to take this call to follow Jesus and to work for the kingdom seriously. And I want to tell you this, there is never a need to apologize for faithfulness to Jesus. 
Don't ever make anybody feel like you need to apologize because you live every day trying to make sure you're ready for the Lord. Don't you ever take a day off from that? No, I don't because that might be the day he comes back. I don't want to take a day off from serving him or living for him because I don't want him to catch me not doing what he called me to do. I need to live in a state, a lifestyle of readiness. That needs to be what I'm doing. It's not, you can say, right now I feel like I'm ready, but I'm right in the middle of doing what he called me to do. Now, if I said, hey, I'm ready, but I'm going to stop pastoring, I'm just going to quit preaching, I'm just going to uh, live and, and just sit back till he comes, he's going to say, what are you doing with what I gave you? See, because being ready, it's not about what you have. It's about what you're doing with what you have. Come on now. The next two parables that, in, when you flip over to Matthew 25, the next two parables demonstrate that it's not about a one-time I'm ready thing. It's about being ready, a lifestyle of readiness. It's not just, oh, I'm ready to go and I've got everything I need. It's a lifestyle of ready. Again, not about what we have, but what are we doing with what we have? We will not and we cannot escape the responsibility of eternity by neglecting it today. Eternity is coming. Whether you and I are ready or not, it's coming. Are we living a lifestyle that, we, that will have us ready when he calls? In Hebrews 2 and 3 the scripture said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How are we going to escape if we neglect? It's salvation, and it's great salvation. It's the grace of God. It was, we didn't deserve it. It's merciful, and he provided it for us. He granted repentance to Gentiles so that we could be saved. But how will we escape if we neglect that? How are we going to get out of that? Uh, how, how are we going to make a way if we continue uh, to, to not do what God called us to do. Peter said, hey, church, you better wake up because here's what's coming for us. First Peter 4 and 17, he said that the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if, it's, if it first begins at us, if it first begins with us, then what shall the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? Because, see, we like to put that, we like to flip that around. And like to think, well, the time has come that judgment is going to begin on all them that don't serve the Lord. But the Lord said, no, I'm going to talk to the ones that all know what they're doing first. And judgment will begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, how's he going to find us when he comes back? How's he going to find us when he finally says, it's time to gather you up? What will we be doing when it's our time? The, the parable of the ten virgins, when you look at that, I, I know it's been, you, know, you, you can talk about the, well, you know, I've, heard, I've heard it preached and, and preached many things out of that. And Well, those without the oils, those that don't have the Holy Ghost, and, and uh, those that don't have oil, those that don't have the truth. I mean, it's, you know, there's so many things that you can pull out of that, but really, if you look at the whole of chapter 25 and all the two parables and then uh, how he how he reckons the end, the judgment time, you'll see that uh, the oil, uh, that's not about having the Holy Ghost or not. It's, that oil is what makes a light shine, and that's what we are, the light of the world. We're supposed to have a light shine, and the oil is about uh, godly obedience and compassion and having good works in this world. The only difference, they were ten virgins, ten virgins, all wearing the same garments, the, the uh, white robes, all look the same. They, they all had a lamp. There were ten virgins, ten lamps. The only difference was the oil. And they were all called. They all had the same opportunity. Uh, but, again, the oil, it's not about whether or not they had the Holy Ghost or not, whether on the outside, did they, did they have it down right on the outside? Well, sure. Did they have it right? Were they behaving themselves? Sure. But, you know, sometimes it's not enough to just not do evil. We got to do good. You hear me? Because it's not just not doing bad things. Well, I don't do this and I don't do that. Okay. But have you done this? 
Because there's a lot of people who say, well, I don't go to church, and I don't believe in God, but, but I don't smoke, drink, cuss, I don't fight, I don't steal, I don't cheat, I don't lie. Okay, that's, that's neat. But the Bible says that only the blood of Jesus can wash sin away. And we're all born into sin. There's none righteous, no, not one. You're not going to be saved outside of the book. You're not going to be saved outside of the gospel. You're not going to be saved outside of the blood. There's, you're not going to wing it in there just because you were a good, moral, upstanding citizen. You've got to, there is no salvation outside of the name of Jesus. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We've got to have him. Have him. The Lord said, look unto me and be ye saved, all ends of the earth. So any idea you got to think, well, I've, I've handed out enough dollar bills to the homeless. I'm going to be all right. That's not what it's about. We should be mindful of the poor, but I'm telling you, you, you can't just say, well, I'm a good person and, and I'll make it in there. You're not going to make it in outside of the way the Lord said, no man cometh to the Father but by me. I am the door, and if any man tries to enter in any other way, he's a thief and a robber. Hear what your pastor's saying today. We've got to live a life of readiness. The Lord just, you know, he, I, was, I, I promise you, I, I was going to teach out of verse 25 totally different than the way I'm going, but the Lord showed me these scriptures are not about what people always make them out to be. It's about what are you doing with what I've given you. Not about just, well, I got the Holy Ghost and now I'm going to make it in. Or I got oil or I don't have oil. The oil is the good works. It was obvious that the five foolish neglected their duty to the lamp. Because five took oil, five didn't. And the five that took oil are the ones that when the cry came, we used to sing that old song, the midnight cry. I used to hear your dad sing that. And, uh, man, it used to just put chills all over my body thinking about, whoo, the Lord's coming back. But, but, you know, when that cry went forth, they were all asleep while the bridegroom tarried. And so even those that had oil, they had no idea when just all of a sudden they hear the cry. They all hear it at the same time. But five are ready because they were ready when they got there. They had, before they ever came, they made sure we have oil in our lamp. They were living a lifestyle of readiness. And the five foolish said, our lamps have gone out. There are no good works that we can shine, we can show. There's nothing to show for what we've done. And the five wise trimmed their lamps and they had light. And the, they said, hey, give us some of your oil. Well, we can't do that. Because you can't live and you're not going to make it in off of somebody else's good works. And let me, and, and for us, we need to know that we can't save anybody, but we can tell them. So they said, you'll have to do what we did. You'll have to pay the price and get oil for yourself. And so when the call went out, they had to scramble and try to change their lifestyle and do something so they could be right. But while they went away to buy, here comes the door. The door swings open. And uh, because the five wives lived a lifestyle of readiness, they went in. But by the time the other ones got back... Hey, open up to us. You've missed that window. I'm sorry. All you would have had to done was do what these other five did. But you didn't. But we but 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 we've got our we've got our lamp. We've we we've you know we're we're virgins too. We we we're you know, we were called. Yeah, but many are called, but few are chosen. The Lord puts the call out to everybody. But those that are chosen to come in are those who live a lifestyle of readiness. I'm not saying works save you. You've got to obey the gospel and, and, and be born again. But then we must live a life. Listen, grace came to Noah. But Noah didn't sit around saying, Lord, build me a boat. He said, no, I'm going to tell you how to build a boat. And by faith, it said Noah moved. He was moved with fear. He was warned about things he'd never seen before. And he just took it by faith and built that ark, and it saved him and his family. And it says eight souls were saved by water. Of course, we know that if he had not obeyed, there is no ark. So forever, how many years? Seventy, seventy-five years, he labored without another voice. It's not recorded that God ever spoke again until it was time to come in and shut the door. And he just knew, I've got to do and live a life of readiness because I don't know when the Lord's going to say, hey, I don't know how 
hard and how long the days were that Noah would work because he didn't know when God would close the door, when God would say it's time for the flood. And, well, you know, God, we took a month off because we were just tired, and so we didn't get that side of the ark finished. Well, that's just too bad, isn't it? You know, so we need to make sure that we're not just sitting back thinking, well, I know God gave me the plan, but I can work it at my own pace. We've got to be about his business. It wasn't only about what these ten virgins had. It was about what they did with what they had. And uh, the five had, they all ten had lamps, but five said, i got to do something with this lamp so I can be ready when the bridegroom calls. So uh, the next parable about talents, it's the same way. The, the master, he's going to take a journey, so he, he gives one servant five talents. He gives one servant two talents. He gives one servant one talent. And so they all serve one master. They're not live, working for different people. They all serve one master. They all know that he's gone, but he, they don't know when he's coming back. He just, I'm going, but I'll, I'll be back when. You don't worry about when, just... I'll be back. I'm the master. You don't ask me that. That's for me to know. And so two of them begin going to work. They're they're giving these talents. They're working. They're investing them. They're doing things. The talents are gaining talents. They're working. And when the master gets back, he says, let me see what my servants were doing while I was gone. Hey, Lord, here's the five talents you gave me plus five more. Well done, good and faithful servant. The guy that had two talents, here's the two talents, two more. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then here comes the guy that had one talent who buried his talent. He said, here's what you gave me. It's just like it was the day you left. Nothing changed. And he said, because I knew what kind of man you were, so I just went and hid that thing, and, and now here it is. You've got back, and he said, I'm going to judge you out of your own mouth. He said, because you knew how I was. He says, so you should have took my money and put it in the bank. So when I got back, I would have got my own plus the interest. You should have done something with it. But because you buried it and did nothing, he said, cast him out into the outer darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Two servants lived a lifestyle of readiness. And so they were ready when the Lord surprised them. He showed up. Oh, he's, he's back. They didn't have nothing to worry about. I've done what he asked me to do. And the one thought, it's just enough to be, be here. It's just enough to have that talent. No, it's not about what you have. It's about what you're doing with what you have. And he was cast out, and the others heard, well done. So, again, it, again, you know, people just think, well, it's just, you know, if you just won't do wrong, you'll be all right. It's not enough to, to just not do evil. We must do good. And Paul wrote this, 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. He said, make sure you let people know, the, 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 the saints, that they do good, that they be rich in good works. That, that, that means... You know, if you're rich in something, you got a lot of it. You're, you're, you're steadily, you know, it's uh, more than average. It's not the least. It's not, he didn't say be poor in good works. He said be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up and store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. He said you need to be doing good works so you're laying up in store for yourself a good foundation. Because the time is coming where the master is going to reckon with his people. Peter said, if it first begins with us. In the mic. That's all right. I got this. I just preach with my little lapel mic right here. So he's going to reckon with us. What have you done with what I gave you? What are you doing? In 2 Timothy 3, 17, he said that we should be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 
in Titus 1 and 16, look, look at this. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work a reprobate. So he said, people can say they know God. Jesus dealt with them while he was walking on the planet. It didn't change after he left. He said, they say they know me, but in their works they deny who I am. Or the words, with their mouth they honor me, but their heart's far from me. And so there's, there's no works to show who they are. Faith without works is dead. Works do not save us. But faith without works is dead. And the Lord said, my people that I call are going to do more than sit around on their hands and not do anything. They're going to be, there's no sense for us to have the Holy Ghost if we're not going to be witnesses unto him. He said, you're going to be a witness unto me to the uttermost parts of the earth. Your world, everything about what I'm giving you is so you can show people who I am, tell people who I am, live a life that shows who I am. In Titus 3, 8, and 14, he said for us to maintain good works. In other words, when you maintain something, that means as long as you're living, you keep that part up. You keep doing what you should maintain those good works. Don't, uh, don't stop. Don't give up. Don't say, well, I can retire from you know, living for the Lord now. I know there's people that retire and mention they retire from being a pastor, but you don't retire from being a child of God. And uh, so you, you still, whether you're pastoring, you're still working for the Lord and, and being a light for him. And that's the whole thing is that it's that light shining, those good works that we need. And, and uh, we know what uh, Jesus said, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Uh, he said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick it gives light to all that are in the house. Now, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The way they see and glorify God and know about God is through what we're doing. Are we living a life of readiness? So when the master appears suddenly, that's why Jesus said, Be ye therefore ready, for in such an hour as you think not, he's coming. But I have the keys to the kingdom. Yeah, but I'm still not telling you when I'm coming. <laughs> but I'm, I'm a pastor of a big church, Lord, yeah. So get them ready, and you be ready, because I'm not telling you the day or the hour, because uh, uh, I can tell you uh, it, it's got to be one of the reasons that God said, I'm not going to give you a date and an hour, is because he knows we would plan to do our worst, to do everything we want to do, and then think, uh, oh, okay, I got, I got an hour left. Let me get in here and schedule my baptism uh, and, and, and get them to pray me through and then I'll be ready to go you know we would we would we would schedule everything we could do and say but I got to be ready by X amount X date at such an hour whatever and uh, you know and that would be that would just be you can be ready as you're going to the store or you're going to work I got to get ready I'm going to heaven but we're supposed to live a life of readiness that where we are, God finds us. That's why Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished. I was in the, I, I kept on. I labored more abundantly. I, I didn't stop from the time God called me. I did not stop until he knew this is it for me. Now I'm ready to be offered. There's nothing left. There's, nothing, there's no more letters to write. There's no more preaching to do. It's time for me to go. And uh, so... We need to do that. So this is what Jesus said in, in Matthew 5. But look what Peter said, 1 Peter 2 and 12. Look how much this just echoes what Jesus said. He said, have your conversation, which is your behavior, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God. Isn't that what Jesus just said? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. 
And so he said, you need to make sure that your behavior is honest among the Gentiles. Even though they speak against you as evildoers, they may, not by what you say, but by what you do, that they may by your good works, which they shall behold. That means they're going to see you living for God, glorify God in the day of visitation. So God wants us to be in that state of readiness, a lifestyle of readiness. He says, I want you to be a good servant, a faithful servant, and that good and faithful servant is the one that when I come, I find him doing. Proverbs tells us, you know, just a little a little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands of sleep, and he said, your poverty will come in a moment. Yep. Poof, just like that. You'll be caught unaware. Just like that because you, you're, you're slumbering, you're sleeping, you're not doing, uh, you're not taking care of what God has given you. And then at the end of the world, continue on. This is, what, like I say, the, the theme continues through Matthew 25. Um, and I don't, I don't even think I gave these scriptures, uh, Brother Cade, so you don't have to worry. I'll just read this. But after the parable of the ten virgins, after the parable of the saint or the servants with the talents, it says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, so when he appears, his angels with him, he's going to sit upon the throne of his glory. Before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. And the righteous answered him, saying, Lord, when saw we uh, you hungry and fed you or thirsty and gave you drink? When did we see you a stranger and took you in or naked and clothed you? When, when did we see you sick or in prison and came to you? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it, not thought about it, not say I support it, not say I believe in it, but he said, Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. That's the, the, that's the dividing factor. Because the next part is completely opposite. Then he's going to talk to the ones on the left side and say, depart from me. You're cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink. A stranger and you took me not in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And they say, well, when did we see all these things that we didn't do that? He said, inasmuch as you did it not. To one of the least of these, you did it not to me. In other words, you might have said you knew me, but in works, you deny me. We've got to live a lifestyle of readiness. Be ready to meet him when he comes. 2 Peter 3, I'm going to turn there and read. 2 Peter 3 and 10. He said, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be? What should, no, we know this is coming. We know Jesus is coming. We don't know when, but we know he is coming. So he said, what kind of person should you be? In all holy conversation or behavior, and godliness, he said, you're looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with, melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, the church, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. When he comes, I want to be found of him in peace, without spot, 
and blameless. I do not want him to say you buried what I gave you. He said, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, has written to you. So Paul's already told them these things. And then in verse 17 he says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, beware. Pay attention. Beware. Lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Don't be led away thinking, I don't have to do nothing. I don't have to serve the Lord. I I, I believe in him and I'm just going to be fine. I'm telling you, friends, the Lord has showed me in studying today and, and opening up these scriptures. He said, my people need to be living we can't just put the coming of the Lord into one event and say, let's be ready for that day because you don't know when that day is. You can't just prepare for that day so you live your life because, listen, our day to be present with the Lord, we're all going to be caught up whether we're asleep or whether we're awake. The dead in Christ rise first. Those that are alive remain to be caught up in the air with them. We know that. But, are you going to be caught up alive or are you going to be one coming out of the ground? I might, I might meet the Lord earlier than the rapture. Am I living a life of readiness? Am I doing what he called me to do? Is it going to be all right if I know I'm taking my last breath or am I going to be worried I don't have the oil in my lamp? So I don't want to get led away with the error of the wicked and then fall from my own steadfastness. He said, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And So what kind of people should we be as we're waiting for the Lord to return? Should we be about his business? Should we be laboring? Because uh, we like, well, you say it's so many months till the harvest. But he said, man, open your eyes and look. He said, the harvest is ripe and ready now. He said, we, he said we're not waiting on the harvest. We're, we're waiting on the laborers. You know, if, if you plant a harvest, uh, a corn, whatever, you know, if that, that's your thing, you're farming, you plant that stuff, and, and then you just never go out there and get it, it'll die. Eventually, it'll be no good. And it's going to be a shame that if the Lord's going to look to us, Holy Ghost, the church, the Holy Ghost feel born again, church, the bride, and wonder, how come you're not harvesting? Why aren't you harvesting? Because the harvest is already ready. It's ripe. And I believe he told them that then. But man, now as he's that much closer to returning, the harvest is ready and it's ripe. Used to be a little old fairy tale, nursery rhyme, Aesop's fables, I don't know what it was, about that chicken cooking bread. It's always weird to me. But she kept trying to get people, trying to get all these other little animals, hey, come help me gather up, help me do this, help me do that, help me make this bread. And, oh, I'm big, I can't do this, do that. Boy, when they smelled that bread, when it was done, they could smell it come out of the oven. Everybody want to eat that bread. They said, oh, no, this is for me and my kids because we're the only ones that labored for it. And, and so uh, you're going to miss out. Well, the old song said, everybody wants to eat at my table. But nobody wants to work in my field. Everybody wants to go to the marriage supper. But not many people want to work in the field. They, wanna, they don't want to be a laborer. You know, we, we, even, we even look down on that in, in natural a lot of people do. Oh, they're just a laborer. If it's a good, honest day's work, ain't nothing wrong with it. I've, I've, I've been a laborer on a construction site. It's hard work. And somebody's got to do it or things don't get built. You, you can design, have an architect design them all day long, but if somebody ain't carrying the lumber, if somebody ain't pouring the concrete, it ain't getting built. So uh, 
Ain't nothing, you ain't got to drop your head about being a laborer in the kingdom. Praise God. So we need to get busy about the Father's business. And we need to, you know, not get caught up like they did in the days of Noah. You know, Jesus said in that time they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. And ain't a single thing wrong with any of that. As long as it doesn't distract you from the coming of the Lord. Nothing wrong with, ain't nothing wrong with jobs. Ain't nothing wrong with school. Ain't nothing wrong with career. Ain't nothing wrong with that as long as it doesn't take your mind off of the Lord. That it doesn't stop you because nothing. Your job is not more important than eternity. Your school is not more important than eternity. Your relationship is not more important than eternity. I'm talking to you. I'm telling you the truth. But you've got to understand that nothing comes before the Lord. Nothing. Nothing. We don't preach that much anymore. We try to, we try to not hurt people's feelings anymore. But sometimes it's just people need to hear again. Do you remember? Understand that there is nothing more important than your walk with God. Nothing. I, nothing. Hey, you love your children? You got children? I love my children. But my children are not more important than my walk with God. Because they'll, they'll suffer if my walk suffers. I've got to keep being ready. You love your, your spouse? I love mine. She loves me. But I'm not important than her walk with God. No, we, we made that decision early on in our relationship. We, we always said, I, you know, I'm never going to be number one, but I better be the second one on the list. You know, and that's, that's right. So that's how it is. The Lord's number one. She's number two. That's how it works. I, the Lord's number one for her. I'm number two on the list. That's, that's how it works. Paul's, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? What would it profit you if you gained the whole world but then lost your soul? Or what what would you what is so valuable that you think I'll exchange eternity for this? Nothing. And we live in the light of eternity every day. Every day eternity's coming and we're going to spend it in one place or the other. It's going to happen. And we can't, we can't fall asleep. We can't get heavy, you know, heavy-headed and, and our ears dull and our eyes dim and, and just forget that Jesus is coming back because he's coming back. And it, every born-again believer is going to be startled. You know, I, I, I've called, like, my family and told them, hey, I'm on the way home. So they know I'm about to pull in. And I walk in the house. And they've got music on or they're doing something. And I walk in behind them, say, touch them on the shoulder, and they jump out of their skin. Well, you knew I was coming home. Yeah, I knew it, but, you know, still caught me. And we know he's coming back, but it's still going. We're going to be like, whoo, today? You'd just be, you'd be sitting in line at, at Jiffy Lube or something like that. And the Lord, I'm just getting my oil changed. Guy's gonna be looking around. Who's driving this car? I don't know. I don't know where he went. His clothes still in the car. If that's how it happens, I don't know if that, you know. You see that on movies. I don't know if that's how it happened or not. But you know. But anyway, it's uh, you know, it's gonna happen. If Jesus is coming back, and and we think, I don't, I don't even try to figure out what it's gonna look like or how because that's I just want. To go, when when the trumpet sounds, whatever has to happen, Lord, let it happen. I'm out of here. I'm glad I don't have to push no buttons or, or say no special words. It's just the trumpet, boom, I'm out of here. And I'm just gonna be looking down. Whoa, looking up, there he is, and here comes everybody with me. Let's go. Or maybe we'll just appear right there. I don't I don't think people are gonna just see bodies flying up through the air. It's gonna be in a moment, a twinkling of an eye. So we'll just be gone. However it is, I want to be ready. So since I don't know the day, or if, you know, you send me an invitation for a birthday party. It's going to be Saturday at 2 o'clock. 
I know when to be ready. But the Lord said, I'm coming. I want to make sure that when I get back, I find faith on the earth. When I come back, I'm not telling you, I'm just going to show up and hopefully I'll find you doing because I've left this vineyard in y'all's care and I hope y'all are working it. So you can come to the music, Garland. There just ain't no way to, to teach on things like this without giving enough time for people to come and pray in the altar. And you need to be honest with yourself tonight. Are you living a life of readiness? Or are you thinking, I'm just going to be, when I see when I see World War III start, then I'm going to start getting serious. When I see them take all of our cash away, then I'll start getting serious. You know, don't be trying to, you know, because this, this stuff is happening already. They're already taking money away, and they're already getting ready to, I mean, uh, Korea shot several missiles today, and South Korea shot back. You know, they, they're shooting missiles. They get people, this world, that all the signs are happening, earthquakes in diverse places, pestilence, those things that have wars, rumors of wars, all the things that Jesus mentioned that you know, he said, you know, that, that's going to be signs of it coming. False Christ, people saying he's here and here and he's not. People trying to deceive people. All that stuff's happening. So what are we waiting on? What are people waiting on to, to start living their life for him? Not just not just having a one-time encounter at the altar and saying, now I'm ready to go. Hey, you can go online and buy your airline ticket. But if you never drive to the airport, never go through security, you, you all you got is a ticket that won't take you nowhere. I don't want a ticket then end up not getting to go. I want to live my life ready for the Lord. I live my life ready for Him. So while she's playing tonight, I'm going to open the altars and if, if you would like to come and pray, I hope that you will. I think it'd be good for everybody in the building to pray tonight because we need to make sure we're all in the same church we're all serving the same God but he said there's two working in the same field one taking one left two in a bed one taking one left two at the meal one taking one left out of ten five taking five left we need to get ourselves ready church let's live a life of readiness